Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this Sunday morning service here at the High Kirk. Uh, if you're visiting with us, please be blessed with God's presence. And if you're listening on the computer or the phone or whatever other means of communication there may be, I hope you'll be blessed as well. Uh, a few intimations this morning. Um, most of them are on the sheet. Just a couple. Of, I'll not run through everything. Uh, just to be mentioned about uh, the pantomime. Uh, it says their tickets are online. Uh, Dorothy Taylor, over there behind the man in the yellow coat. Uh, <laughs> she also has tickets and has got booking forms if you wish to uh, do that. Um, also, um, we're obviously getting near Christmas. Gawinning uh, Abbey are running a bus to the Livingston Outlet Mall for Christmas shopping extravaganza uh, on the tw- Monday the 28th of November. Uh, if you'd like to go, uh, if the phone is available, or John Beck. I've got the phone number here, but you'll forget it, so I'll not tell you. I'm having problems with my printer. I've not been able to print it off, so we'll get a copy printed off and up on the notice board next week. If you phone, if you're interested in going, because obviously the numbers will depend on whether they can run the bus. There will be several pick-up points to be decided later. Uh, and then finally, before I hand over to Scott and the team from CAP, sad news that Eleanor Hartness passed away this week. So remember our family in prayer. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Right, I've got to be stand. <laughs> 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 oh, well, can I see? It's just lovely just to join once again. As you, most of you know, I was away on holiday last week, but it's lovely to be back and here in the house of God just to worship together. And this morning's a very special morning for myself, too. Apart from getting my feet up, I'm going to be sitting way back with Antonia and to enjoy just worshiping the Lord together. But I want to especially welcome this. Now we've got Sandy at the end here. Well, they'll be introducing themselves in a wee moment, anyway. And then Ronnie in the middle. And then Alan McCann. Um, and I have to make a special mention of Alan, actually. It's been 30 years since we ministered like this together. <laughs> I led, I, I was leading the summer missions in Strathblane two, for two years there, and Alan was part of the team. And we shared there together, and wonderful times. And so, Alan, it's just lovely to renew our fellowship again. So, hopefully, it'll be 30 more years before we get to minister like this together. <laughs> well, for many of you, you'll, I'm sure you'll have known about CAP UK, Christians Against Poverty. And for a number of years, I know Martin Lewis on the TV has been highlighting it, uh, he's been so encouraged. Uh, with CAP UK and so we're delighted that even here in Ayrshire that we're seeing people taking an interest in uh, supporting this ministry and so this morning you're, you're going to hear all about it and I do pray that as, a, as the High Kirk that will also be one congregation who will be supporting this ministry in the days, months and years to come and so I'm, I'm just going to now welcome you this morning and to the CAP team thank you so much for joining us Fantastic. Well, it's great to be here. Um, in those 30 years since we last ministered together, Scott is looking younger than ever, and I've lost all my hair. So uh, I think he's been living a better life than me. Uh, great to be with you here. 
in the house of God. And I'd like to start by just reading a couple of verses from um, Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Let's continue our worship and praise this morning by singing, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Jesus Christ, 
the author and the finisher of our faith. We humbly ask you this morning to make yourself known among your people here. Because it's to you we come. We bring to you our worship and our thanksgiving this morning. We bring to you our joy of being known by you. We bring to you our thanks for the peace and walking in your ways, the contentment that it brings. We pray especially this morning at the start of our worship for this new parish here in Stevenson. We pray a special blessing in the Christians Against Poverty team. We pray for Reverend Scott. We pray for Alan. We pray for our brother Roy. Help us in our way. We love you because you first loved us, Lord. It's an honour and a pleasure eh, to come here this morning. We think in the words of praise and, and, and the reading of your word and the, the preaching of the gospel, the good news that came to us, and we think it's good news for our community. It's good news for our neighbours. It's good news for our town. It's good news for our country. So we leave ourselves before you, looking forward to our Sunday morning service this morning, looking forward to a time of fellowship together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the Christ is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. This morning, is taken from the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 23, and reading from verse 26. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was in his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who were mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to him, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that have never borne, and the breasts that have never nursed. Then I will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, where they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. 
for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he's Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers who came up and mocked him, they offered him wine vinegar, and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him, which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there heard insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Thank you to God for this reading. Thanks, Rowan. Uh, and we'll hear shortly from Rowan again. Uh, I just want to take a moment or two to talk to you a little bit about Christians Against Poverty. Christians Against Poverty is a, a charity, a national charity, which has been on the for over 25 years. And as Scott rightly mentioned, uh, our work is endorsed by Martin Lewis of the Money Saving Expert. Um, locally, uh, here, we, there are two things that we're really involved in uh, with Christians Against Poverty. And one is providing free personal debt advice uh, to people. And the other one is financial education, uh, both to adults and also to primary six and seven and secondary school pupils as well. And this is done through the, the Christian Against Poverty money course. And it helps people uh, effectively budget and look after their money in a better way. Uh, and that is aimed not at people that are actually struggling with their debts. It's just aimed at people who want to get a little bit more control about their finances. It's important, though, for you to understand that there are a lot of people uh, and organisations that provide free personal debt advice here in North Ayrshire. So why do we exist? What makes us different to some of these other providers? Well, there's a whole number of reasons, and, uh, and there's not time this morning to go into all of them. Uh, but we visit people in their own homes or at a place of their choosing, which means that they can have a confidential discussion with us uh, you know, in a relaxed atmosphere. We also uh, are able to see people at a time that suits them. Increasingly we're aware that there are many people in our society today who are working and are actually struggling with their finances. Uh, and because we can see them at a time that suits them, they don't need to take time off of work 
uh, and they can get their affairs sorted out without their uh, employers knowing. When we go out to see people, we will bring a friend with us as well. Now this is absolutely critical. And it, when people are suffering debt issues, it doesn't come alone. It's a highly emotional time. And bringing that friend who's there to listen, to link them into community, it enables uh, that person to get emotional support as well. We're independent from the council. And this, this means that if people do have the exit of the council, then they could maybe consider uh, speaking to ourselves as we're totally separate uh, and not part of that organisation. There are many more uh, reasons why we are different. But one of the other things which I publicly say to people in the job centre when I'm in, to all agencies, is that we're Christian. And we don't apologise for the fact that we're Christian. We actually say that's a major advantage because we're offering spiritual hope to people. We will offer to pray for people. And I can tell you that there are many people who have received prayer in our community uh, from us going out to speak to them. But also we offer that spirit, that practical hope because there are so many kind of uh, activities within a church setting uh, that help people link into society again. I think it's something like 67% of Christians Against Poverty clients when we survey them say that before they met us um, they didn't have a meaningful conversation with anyone in the space of a whole week. Loneliness is rife. However, Stats are all very well, it's stories that really matter. And that's why I'm delighted that Ron is prepared this morning to share his personal story with us right now. <coughs> Thanks, Alan. Now, as many people can say they can put up an organisation and speak about it, but they are trying to put something forward. I'm coming to respect of today that I have been a service user of camp and saved my life. Now Alan may talk something about some of this later, but there's three things CAP stand for. Transforming lives, revitalizing churches, and bringing an end to UK poverty, whether it's food, eating, whatever. Now there's two things that really involve me with that. One is transforming my life. Just a year before I got a uh, connection with camp, I had two days from suicide. People had done me out of money. I was in such a web, wasn't even answering phone calls, the door, opening letters, just opening letters into boxes. And I was ready for talking out. But however, God had other ideas. He said round person who had met on uh, a mental health course because when death hits it so often goes with mental health because there's a stigma attached to both and uh, she pulled me out started telling the different things made my way and about a year later it was just about the time 
the cap and Zandir standing up the cap at the church that I attended. So I engaged. However, the hardest part was you've got to phone a private number, head office, and make that appointment. Now I knew I had to make it, but it took me three weeks to make that call. It was the hardest call I ever made, but it was the best phone call I ever made. Luckily enough, Alan was my dead coach. And I'm now glad to say that it was over two years down the line and now dead free. However, I see this as I have been through so much. But I've been through for a reason. Not why have you done this to me, God. It's what can I learn from this? And how can I help others? Now, I don't know why it occurred that happened, but I was asked to do a video or tell my story. I've done that many times since. But it seems it's brought out skills in me that I didn't even know I had. It's taken me forward. I've spoken news programs on every one of the terrestrial channels local newspapers, done a walk to raise money for camp. But just recently, two weeks ago, I actually completed the money course, the training for the money course to be able to deliver that Alan was speaking about. I'm now trained to be able to take that to different groups, even into schools, because I think it's important we teach youngsters about the need for dealing with money in the right way. And <coughs> I'll be honest, it has been amazing this journey where I am now. Also, on the poverty side, I was asked by CAP to deal to interact with the Scottish Government on social justice, social security and social prescribing. And rather than make decisions that some people in governments and organising do, they actually listen to what it was like in our side, how they could change the system, how they could interact and make people feel better going through these hard times. And that has been amazing. And I just want now to go forward and help other people that in the same position as I was before they even fall up. Ah, but I know I would not be here without Cap and without God. Because you can see Cap is a as a business, but it's not. It's a ministry. It's God's ministry. And it's amazing the work they're doing. So please, if you know anyone who is suffering bad with debt, please get to make that call. And um, if you're not in money debt and you're encouraged by the work that Cap are doing, please speak to Alan after the service and there will be you'll be able to help with the prayer team, befriend or whatever. And I've only got five minutes to speak and just come to the end. I thank you for listening, but if anybody has got any other questions for me, I'd like to ask, get nothing to hide.
don't care to the service. So thank you very much for listening. And gosh, I suddenly realised 
that I was going to have to make some sort of decision. Do I propose marriage? So it was getting really serious indeed, folks. Anyway, um, I was a Christian and uh, I, I prayed about it and wasn't really getting much response at all. I always remember speaking to, uh, confiding in a friend, and that friend said to me, Look, Alan, uh, is she a Christian? Oh, yes, yes, she's a Christian, yes. Do you, do you like her? Oh, I like her, she's absolutely tremendous, really getting on that house of fire. Well, what are you waiting on, Alan? Ask the question. So I made a decision, and I popped the question, and fortunately, 27 years later, she, she said yes. She's still putting up with my nonsense. Why do I tell you that story? Well, we're going to be looking at, in our short time together here, uh, the sort of theme of making decisions. I want you to cast your thoughts to the dramatic events uh, of years ago, which were the final events before Jesus died that we've just read about and I want us to look at this from the viewpoint of two uh, parties Simon and then secondly the criminals on the cross firstly Simon in those days when someone was condemned uh, after their trial they were led out of the judgment hall they were set in the middle of a, four Roman, a square of four Roman soldiers. The cross was placed on their shoulders and the criminal was forced to carry their cross by the longest possible route to the place of execution. Jesus Christ was treated in this way, except that presumably because of all the beatings he'd had beforehand, his strength left him. And he was simply unable to carry his cross any further. In Palestine, in those days, it was an occupied territory. And any citizen could be forced immediately to serve the Roman government. How did this happen? Well, a Roman soldier would simply come and tap the blunt parts of his spear onto the shoulder of the person who immediately had to serve Rome. Into this situation comes Simon from Cyrene. Now this was in fact modern day Tripoli in Libya. And in fact the difference, difference between distance between Libya or Tripoli and Jerusalem was over 1,200 miles. It's likely that Simon was a Jew and it, making a very special trip indeed, a one-off trip of a lifetime to celebrate Passover in the holy city itself. And then the tap on the shoulder. I wonder how Simon felt. Simon had, was forced to make a decision. But how did he feel? He must have been extremely frustrated and angry. Here's this trip of a lifetime, and he is co-opted, 
forced into carrying the cross of a common criminal. And yet, Simon was placed from obscurity and he's now recorded in history. His name still exists. We're talking about him this morning. In fact, in the records, um, Mark records that Simon's sons, um, Alexander and Rufus, became well-known in the Christian church in Rome. And it might be fair to suggest that Simon, when he saw Jesus Christ and had an encounter with him that day, actually made a decision for himself to come to faith in Jesus. You may feel that your life is not turning out exactly as you planned it. You may feel that your congregation's life is not turning out exactly as you planned it. We must always remember that that despite maybe feeling overwhelmed by events such as energy prices or uh, war in Europe or presbytery plans, the fact is God is in control. And even although it may not seem like it at times, he has a plan for your life. And he has a plan for your congregation as well. Just as he did for Simon that day. At Christians Against Poverty, we never force our clients to take decisions. Instead, we get alongside them and we give them clarity at a time when they can barely see the wood from the trees. I think of a story, or, or, or an example of this, in our own town community. A girl, due to be married, she was a mother of two, due to be married. Three weeks before she was due to be married, the man walked in, walk, walked in and walked out. I'm not going through with this. He left her for another woman. He put an injunction on the house, forced her to sell the house, and ran up massive credit card debt in her name alone. You can imagine how distressed she was when I came to her door. Uh, I, you know, I, she just found, found a house. Anyway, one thing led to another, and she made the decision to engage with us. Now, a year later, once we had finished all the different process, um, I had a humbling experience of, I was doing shopping in Lidl, the masks were on, it was that time of COVID, and I heard this voice in the car park, Alan, Alan, and he was this girl, a transformed individual, smiling away, and crucially able to look after her two girls. She'd taken a decision to work with us, and it was a decision that she was very pleased that she had made. So that was Simon. But I also wanted to look at the two criminals. The first criminal was simply the same as the rest of the crowd. It says in the Bible, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is Christ of God. But the other criminal was different. 
He had the faith to see beyond the current circumstance and to the coming glory. The disciples fled in fear. The crowd, the soldiers, and, one, and, and that criminal, one of those criminals, mocked Jesus Christ. But it was this bad man who decided to ask for mercy and he got it. And this story is surely recorded for us to give us all hope this morning that it's never too late to receive God's pardon and start again. One lady shared this story with me. She had a very, very happy marriage. Really great marriage, but very, very happy marriage. It's a great thing. She'd been married for many years. She was a Christian, but unfortunately, her husband wasn't a believer. Now, got to the stage, she had that phone call that none of us ever look forward to. Her husband was in hospital, and they, you know, it was hours before he was due to die. Fortunately, she got back to the hospital uh, in time, and he was conscious. And so it was one of these emotional moments. Who knows what happens to her husband and wife of many years at that time. But she shared with me one of the conversations she had was this. You have to get right with your maker. Make peace with your maker. Well, he actually said to her, leave me, darling. And sadly, they never were to speak again as he did die uh, that evening. But it was a few weeks ago, later, and the lady shared this with me, um, where she said she was very conscious of God speaking to her and saying, it's all right, he's in heaven, and you will meet again. The passage that we've read this morning confirms that this is entirely possible. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament word paradise means walled garden. And in those days, a Persian king who wanted to give special honour to a subject would make them a companion of the garden. And this meant that that honoured person could choose to walk in the garden with the king. For the Christian, we have the opportunity to walk with the, in the garden with the king. And here is the hope this morning that gives us encouragement that the best is yet to be. But it's also a challenge because when we have this hope, we must, if we just keep it purely for ourselves, then we're in a way being quite selfish. Because this is a hope that makes a big difference to how we live our lives. And the challenge is surely that out of concern for other people in our community, that we take steps to share that hope by the way we live and even by maybe the words we use. 
As Ron has alluded to, Christians Against Poverty is not just about providing free debt advice. We are in the people transformation sector. And we believe that uh, people will find transformation in life when they decide to ask Jesus to be their friend. And that's why our mission, which is worth repeating, is transform lives, revive churches, and an end to UK poverty. We're always looking for people to join us in this mission here in our community. And we'll be very keen, uh, if you feel that you want to know more about this, to have a chat with me after uh, the service. It took Ron three weeks to make the call uh, to, to search for help. But when we survey our clients, they tell us that in average it takes three years. Think of how much distress and suffering the pain they go through by delaying that decision. The criminal waiting until the very last few minutes of his life before making a decision to follow Jesus. How many blessings did he miss out on in this life by delaying that decision? Hundreds of years earlier, Joshua, the leader of the Israelites at the time, towards the end of his life, when he was addressing the nation, came forward with a challenge. He said, choose today whom you will serve. And he made it very clear what his decision had been when he said, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. As we close our time together this morning, there is one decision that only you can make. Jesus Christ is before you. He offers you his love, his hope, purpose and challenge for this life. And he promises you a place in paradise for the life, paradise for the life to come. He simply asks that you trust him. Do you believe him? Choose today whom you will serve. Let's pray again together. Loving, loving God, as fuel bills and cost of living rises, we give up what we have. Money, time, skills, gifts and talents, all for the flourishing of your church near and far and as a blessing for others. Loving God, our times are in your hands and we give thanks for the many who have made this journey before us here and in around this church, this beloved place of worship and community life, where friends, fellow travellers and companions have found blessing in times of trial and struggle, celebration and festivity, 
all through lives of patient faithfulness and persistent prayer. These people we name quietly now in gratitude for all that they have given and every way that they have been a place. So for everyone wrestling for blessing, for all surrendering to God's will, Jesus urges us to pray and always to pray always and not to lose heart. So in turn we pray for these concerns of the day naming them now. For our government in free falling crisis, our leaders, Lord, could use a little of your mercy now. We're concerned that there's a path that it's going to take our economy forever to climb out of. This terrible Russian war will God end it for your name's sake. The rising costs that only the few in our communities will continue to stay ahead of, we pray. The poverty, the unemployment and injustice which sees people in society relying on food banks and now in heat banks to stay warm in the winter, Lord of mercy. For those who are over indebted and facing crisis in their lives, we pray for the circumstances in which they will pick up that phone, visit that cap money advisor, or follow up in that appointment. In our towns and in our streets, we pray for everyone working in connection and for community through charitable projects. Across the whole Church of Scotland, and in turn for presbyteries and priority areas, we call on your loving kindness towards your people. God, holy and loving, maker of heaven and earth, healer of creation, breath and fire of life, as your world turns in its way and all its people pass from night into day and back into night again, May the prayer of your people never cease until every voice in heaven and in earth and in all creation redeemed Christ glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour, our Kinsman, our Chieftain and our King. Amen.
so may the love of God our Father, our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.